This episode of Inspiration Point is brought to you by the Quests and Chaos Podcast Network and the generous patrons over on patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we'd like to give a big shout out to Garlic Bread, Eric, and Spike. And at our Muse $20 level, we'd like to thank Prostaskis, Leroy, Kate, Jeremy, Jenna, Jacob, Falangor, Cheryl, A Bad Idea, Red Dead Coquette, and Robert Hans. Thank you for helping us bring a little inspiration out into the world. And now, on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Thank you for coming and hanging out with myself, Adam, and of course, as always, Tiana. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am sleepy. How are you? <laughs> uh, oddly chipper. Um, I'm feeling good. I mean, you are an hour ahead of me, so it's a, a little bit less of the, the early side of the morning for you. I had a strange morning. I woke up and I, I couldn't get back to sleep. Mm. And I, I, I woke up at like six, like on the dot. Ew. And then I, I tried to be lazy and go back to, to bed as, you know, couldn't do it. But I did get a good hour of wife snuggling. Aww. Which was good. Yeah. Really like, real like the, 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 the snuggle trap we get into. It's really great. Um, That's we have precious. a lot of fun. And every now and then there's a cat that comes and sits on us. So Of course, because the cats wanted on the snuggles. Yeah, absolutely. We just make a big pile of bodies and <laughs> uh there is warmth and fuzziness and it's all good. Right? Very wholesome. Very that wholesome. That is so wholesome. My uh daughter brought over a friend and the friend is uh just a really good kid. And so it's always nice to see when your when your kids are making good friends. So it's a usually, usually, usually pretty good sign. Yeah, usually a good sign. Even if that's, you know, just nieces and nephews, right? You're still going to like seeing that. Yeah. Um, so really important. Or, you know, fur babies, you know, <laughs> if they're going out and making good kitty friends. We like that. Hard for cats to make friends. Well, that's true. My cat's not allowed outside. They are indoor-only cats. Yep. I live in a fairly yep. urban area, and I'd like them to not get run over. And also, there's the whole thing about, you know, outdoor cats and bird population and stuff. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we've got some indoor-only cats, but then we also have a family of strays that we feed for some reason. So, uh, we can't get anything done because we're constantly staring at cats. Yeah, running, that's or, completely running fair. around the house. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, again, this is kind of like the stuff of life, I guess, you know, makes it fun. Yeah. I mean, what's what's the fun of getting stuff done if you don't uh, have that, that little flavor to sprinkle in there? <laughs> that's right. But too much and I might have to cough up a furball. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, we had a game last night. I felt like it went well. We did. I also felt like it went well. I uh, used the principles of basically being a DMPC because Hakoi is uh, otherwise engaged at the moment. Yeah, I really don't like having uh, DMPCs. I think it's generally a, a sin. But if you can get someone else to control them and even have some creative control over them, you know, I think that that's really helpful uh, so that that way plot things can happen. So in this case, I I never really like to have an extra character that's taking an extra turn, but your character got kidnapped. 
And so having your character fill in as the sin PC uh, while we're trying to rescue your character, I think it's fine. I think it's, it's okay. Well, yeah, and it also gives me something to do for the probably two sessions that it'll take, two, maybe three sessions that it'll take to get uh, to where Hakoi is and find out what's going on. I really hope it's not three. I, I, that would be horrible. Um, my goal is that you guys find, you find her probably next time. But it'll just depend on how much faffing about we want to do. Well, but my, now, now that we found the door, I think there will be a minimal amount of faffing uh, to find them. Yes. So uh, it's just, is that enough? Is that all? Right? That is the um, question, isn't it? There are many questions which will abound, and uh, it should be really interesting. And I keep having the inclination to sort of write all of these different branching uh, possibilities, but I really do feel that it's best to avoid that kind of thing and to allow myself the surprise and to relinquish that level of control as well so that um, you can all entertain me. Scary, isn't it? So much more fulfilling, though. You know, like, it was interesting listening to everybody's take on what they should do and how they should approach it. Some people wanted to just run right back in. Right. With and no spell slots and and <laughs> single digit uh, health, I I couldn't I couldn't like say much about that as Valus, but I was just over there like you all will die, it will be bad, <laughs> and they're not even there. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and from a just a gameplay design perspective, I was like, well, they they don't want to go back into the same dungeon and do that again. No, like, that would be boring. That would be boring, right? So we need a reason why. That isn't the goal, right? We need to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, also, on a technical side, uh, we had been playing in isometrics, mm. and uh, I just, it just turned out to be a really big pain. I think it was an interesting experiment, and it had its, its uh, positives. But ultimately, I think um, going back to top-down is going to be just better for everyone. Yeah, I think isometric works really well for things where it's like social encounters happening. So having yeah. that at like the House of the Wheel, at Riddle's Estate, at, at places like that, and other future places where it's like combat isn't intended. It might happen, but combat isn't intended to happen here because the problem with the isometric maps was that we kept getting stuck in the corners and the lighting wasn't quite working right and... It was pretty, but you had to move like four people in order to get to the person that you wanted to to touch. Yeah, yeah. On my side, I had to constantly rearrange people on the map because it's a 2D surface, right? Mm -hmm. When we're trying to mimic 3D. So unfortunately, I think the next time I attempt something like that, I'll have to be like on Tailspire or something like that. Sure. You know? Which I keep telling myself I'm going to do, but it's just like so much work. It's a new thing. That, it's a new up. thing that you have to learn, and like, who has time to dive into that learning curve? Especially when I'm wasting a lot of it playing Baldur's Gate, right? You know, so there is that. I mean, you say wasting. I <laughs> say enjoying yourself. Uh, self care. We'll, yeah. we'll call it self care. I mean, the, honestly, the only way that I've been able to justify playing video games to myself is by live streaming it. Streaming it, yeah, yeah. And how's Dragon Age been going? It's been going well. Uh, I finally, uh, last, last session, uh, I played for five and a half hours, which I did not intend to do, but I got all the way through the tower. Mm -hmm. That was the worst chapter. 
I hate I hate the Circle Tower so much, uh, and now it's done, and now I can just enjoy the rest of the game without that hanging over me like a sort of Damocles. There is a fine line between challenging and annoying, mm-hmm. and a lot of the challenges in that tower are annoying. Uh, I I think um, uh, the deep roads are also pretty rough in that way, but usually if you save it for last, which I would recommend, you know, it... It is a thing where you can probably just handle it through power. Um, well, I think that the biggest problem with the tower is that it's trying to be Metroidvania. Yeah. Because, because you, you pick up these four different abilities to get through different doors. So you're a mouse and a fed a burning man and a spirit and a golem. Yes. And you, when you pick up each of these powers, you're able to go to places that you hadn't been able to go to previously, at least right. not without dying, at least in the case of the burning man. And um, it's hard, I think, to do Metroidvania in 3D like that. And it was like, I fully pulled up a walkthrough and I fully said on stream, I'm working from a walkthrough of this because I have already paid my dues on this game years ago. I I have gone through this. Yeah, Yeah. I have gone through this without a walkthrough before. And then I said, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, e- even in Baldur's Gate, I'm already doing that with part of the Temple of Shar, um, where there's just I don't know what you've gotten to, so I won't spoil anything. But not that, uh, but it's it, there's a very annoying little puzzle mm. in there, and yeah, it's like mm, I don't. You've already I've already the done game. it. Yeah, you've yeah. already beaten the game multiple times. You don't need to like bash your head against that. But yeah, once I've finished it once, I'll go ahead and cheat afterwards. Uh, but we'll say there's a very similar puzzle to it in Dragon Age Origins uh, when you go to the when you go to Haven. Oh, okay. Yeah, you probably know already what I'm talking about. I do. I do vaguely remember, and I think I'm heading to Haven fairly soon because I've I've yeah. saved the I've saved the, the mages, which means that now I can save Connor back at uh, Redcliffe, which means that I can go after the Urn of Sacred Ashes and be in Haven. So. I got to say something about Connor because Connor should have been like the Dragon Age 3 protagonist or like yep. one of the options. Mm-hmm. Right. And I still hope that if they do a four, because they keep saying there's going to be a four, but then there isn't. I mean, they're, they're working on Dreadwolf. Yeah, we'll see. I don't care about Solus at all, but like <laughs> I was always hoping it would be like Morrigan's kid and like Connor and Bevan and, and Bevan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in fact, as I was speaking, I think I was thinking of Bevan, actually. Um, I mean, also Connor, though. But like, also have, Connor, yeah. Connor and Bevan would be a great, uh, like, Connor's been through so much. They should know each other. And Connor they still has latent powers. They live like a stone's throw from each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I was so disappointed uh, when there was no reference to Bevan at all, at least not that I could find in the third game because this whole thing with like his grandfather's Viridian sword seemed to be pointing him in a particular direction. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually really sad because I wasn't able to give his sword back to him. I tried to find the right uh, combination of conversation stuff. I'm going to try again when I get to Denerim, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, it, it, the game is a little bit particular mm-hmm. in, in how to approach it, but yeah. Um, there's, a, there were a lot of those sort of kid characters that I thought, 
Okay, you made a child character who wasn't annoying, you know, so well done, you know, because yeah. that's, that's not so easy. And I thought, well, these guys, these characters got to show up. But, like, if there was anything I was learning from, from that third game is that they just kind of didn't want to think about those things, and they just kind of wanted to move on, right? Like, they were ready for, like, the new and the different. And, like, that's super cool. But, like, but then they made that whole thing with that website. I forget what it's called, but you could set like all of your choices that you've made mm. and like kind of create your own canon. And then you import that file into your game when you play um, Inquisition. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. And there was so little referenced. I mean, Sten doesn't even come up, you know, which really, it, which is crazy, you know? Um, wow. So I'm just like, Anyway, I could go on forever about how Dragon Age 3 was sad for me. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, I, I, I barely got into 3, to be perfectly frank, because it was so different. Like, I walked and expected a Dragon Age game, and what I got was Skyrim. Not even good Skyrim. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it was Skyrim while missing the point of Skyrim. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to play it. You know, I, I'm working my way through Origins right now and I'm going to work. I'm going to play through two. I like two. I know that's a controversial opinion in the fandom, but I really like two. I think that that staying in the same city and the surrounding environs is a really great way to, to dive deep into the place and really feel a sense of ownership of it. I, I will say I, I there were there's plenty not to like about it, but like. I really enjoy that they created a distinctive art style for that game mm. where they sort of created the Dragon Age feel because like Origins is just sort of like generically realistic. Yeah. You know, and for the time at least for the time. Yeah. And, and now everything just looks really brown. Um, it's just that was gritty back then, I guess, the color brown. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> like Dragon Age 2 finally has like an art identity, a style. And then they sort of carry it over while also sort of going back to just realism, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I wish they had just kept that stylized look because I that was the best part. One of the issues about having, you know, realistic artwork is that it ages. Uh, there's a reason why the, the Zelda games never really feel I mean, they feel old, but they don't feel dated, if that makes Correct. sense. Yeah, no, no, you make a Yeah, that's a good distinction. Yeah, and, and it's because they have such stylized artwork, and specifically things like Wind Waker, where it's, like, adorably cartoonish, and it will remain adorably cartoonish for 20, 30 years in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, big fan of style over just, like, photorealism. Yeah. You know, I, I prefer that. Because, yeah, it, it always looks amazing when it comes out, and then five, ten years later, you're like, ugh. Mm-hmm. You know? It's fun, funny how that goes. And style has something to say. Like, it actually yeah. is, like, putting its own mark on what's going on as opposed to just, like, here's a copy of the world. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, it's all about that identity. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so I kind of even wish Baldur's Gate had gone less real and more stylized as well. Sure. Uh, but the characters look great. We'll see how we feel about them in 10 years. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I know that people are like, well, you know, we're starting to hit the limits of uh, the technology. Like, the technology is going to change. It always does. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. you know, we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, and you know, artificial intelligence opens up some possibilities, at least once it becomes intelligent. Yeah, it's more like artificial stupidity right now, but that's okay. Well, yeah, artificial aggregate, really. You got to you got to start somewhere. Um, okay. So, we have been working on a tier list of all the level 1 spells in Dungeons yes. and Dragons 5th edition, and uh we got what? Halfway through it, not even halfway not through even. it. We're not even. We're going to try to rapid fire. We're going to try to rapid fire a bit more with this one. We'll see how it goes. Right. So, uh, quick fire on uh, what it's all about. We have uh, our S tier, always take this, you know, sort of thing. Oh, uh, before I even mention that, I uh, should talk about what our tier list is even about. It's not just about like power, it's not about optimization gaming. Because the you know you can watch Dungeon Dudes or uh, you can watch uh, Triant Monk's Temple or whatever, and they're going to do that better. But what we're bringing here, of course, like our brand is the secret ingredient, right? Mm-hmm. What we want is this idea of like what what spells create like sort of harmony and happiness at your table that is going to make everyone feel really good. Yeah. So do you have that list with you, like that we have taken so far? Uh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Uh, Tiana holds up a piece of paper to show me. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I went old school with this one. Okay, so do you want to just quickly read off what we have so far? Sure. So in S tier, which is Perfection and Love, we have Blessed Bane. Yep. Uh, a, we're always happy to see it, is Command. Uh, B, it's all right. Uh, and also surprisingly useful. There's a lot of these. Uh, alarm, burning hands, cause fear, color spray, compelled duel, and comprehend languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, C is good for you, buddy. It helps you and not really anyone else. Anyone else, yeah. Uh, absorb element, armor of Agathus, arms of Hadar, beast bond, catapult, and chromatic orb. Uh, D for don't, animal friendship, ceremony, and chaos bolt, and uh, create or, or destroy water. And the only one that's in F tier so far is Charm Person because we both loathe it. Yeah, it just sucks. Bad spell. Um, has aged well. And they keep bringing it into more into the additions because you know the Edge Lords would complain if their if their favorite tool wasn't there. Right, of course. Yeah, um, which is part of the reason why I'm really looking forward to trying out the MCDM RPG mm. because like one of the stated goals up front is to like not be beholden to old carryovers. You know, in Sacred Cows, I think is literally what he said. Yes, um, which are the Sacred Cows? We need to actually, like, <laughs> examine why they're there. And if they don't belong there, get rid of them. Kill your right. darlings. Kill your darlings. I mean, even, like, in 3rd edition, like, uh, elves still had, like, detect secret doors. It's like, just because <laughs> that's what you were supposed to do, right? Yeah. And, uh, like, dwarves still have stone cunning. Still stone cunning. Easy, easy to, to stumble over. Well, also, no one ever says it. It's so true. <laughs> and I say that as a dwarf, you know. Um, you are basically a dwarf. I'm basically, yeah, basically a dwarf. Um, okay, so uh, what is the next spell on our docket? Next is Cure Wounds. I feel like everyone knows what Cure Wounds does because it is one of those that shows up in every campaign. Uh, I'm going to make a strong argument for this being S tier. Mm, okay, okay. I will disagree, but okay. I w- want to hear your argument. I think it's A tier. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's because it has a, a superior um, uh, opponent, in my opinion. Uh, but go ahead. I'm, I, I'm super curious what your opponent is. Well, I, I guess I'll just bring it up then, okay? Because these two go together 
like Ramalama Ding Dong, right? <laughs> and so uh, Healing Word to me is like it's overpowered tier, right? Hmm. As, a, as a DM, this is the most frustrating spell in the game, right? That's fair. Healing Word can be cast, what, within 60 feet as a bonus action? Let me look it up. It's on, it's on the next page because, of course, it is. Yeah. 60 feet. I'm pretty sure it's only vocal. Yes. I mean, and, it's, it's Healing Word. Yeah, it's Healing Word. It's a D4 uh, plus stat. Mm-hmm. And because of the death saving throw mechanic of 5th uh, edition, this spell makes uh, player murder or even just knockouts uh, really difficult, right? It's, uh, which is great for players, right? It's fantastic. When, when I get hit with it and I, my character's down, I'm like, oh, thank goodness, right? The only real cost of it is the spell slot itself. Which is not nothing, especially at like first and second level. Yeah. Healing word could literally heal you for one point of damage. And it would still be worth taking. Like, the fact that you could get, like, eight hit points from this is just icing on the cake. It, this is save you, wake you up, and allow you to keep playing, right? It's very, very strong. Cure Wounds is uh, a D8, which is better than the D4. Yes. But 2D4 would have been better. And uh, it's an action. And, and it's also touch. And it's also touch, right? And so you got to get up in the fray and you have to use your opportunity cost of possibly ending the fight or dealing damage or whatever in order to save somebody, right? And then the healing, while better than healing word, is still not great, right? It's not very good healing uh, because 5th edition didn't really design the game for that. <laughs> and so unfortunately because they didn't want it to be like wow where it was like okay who's going to be the healer of the group because that's right. literally all they're going to do right and that's already what too many people think cleric is everyone who thinks that has never played with with someone who knows what they're doing with a cleric right and there's all these domains other than life and even life cleric gives you other things to do mm -hmm. and so like yeah i mean cleric is far more than just healer uh, and so it's good. It's good that they didn't say like, oh, we're going to just pile on healing. But uh, this spell, unfortunately, with the way th things are, are laid out, it's generally better to allow someone to get knocked out and then bring and then healing word them as opposed to trying to keep them topped off so they don't fall. And that sucks. But yeah. But here's my counter argument. This okay. tier list is not based on power. This tier list is based on how people feel about uh, when, it's, when it's taken and when it's given. And I argue that having someone like your Divine Soul Sorcerer, your Cleric, your Celestial Warlock run into the fray specifically yeah. to save you. Yeah, There's, that, there is that. That feels really good. That is high secret ingredient. Absolutely. For the receiver, for the giver, it's I have to do this, right? Which makes for some really great role play potential where, it, where it's it, it like can. you you can just like, you know, look at it and be like, oh, yeah, when they go unconscious, I'll do X, Y and Z and be very like methodical about it. 
Yeah. But if you're in the character and you're having fun with the role play aspect of it, there's a it whole story that a can be told. Moment. Exactly. It does. It does. But would you say that <laughs> makes it on par with Healing Word that can do all of those things and then still allow you, the player, to you know, cast a cantrip, make an attack roll. <laughs> I mean, know. in 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 fairness, um, we when we played our two and a half year game together, I'm confident that Roland has healed Caladre multiple times with 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 uh, cure wounds or whatnot. The one that I remember the most was the first time he ever cast healing word on her. Yeah. Yes. Uh, healing word is broken. <laughs> <laughs> It was more that that was the moment that their relationship started to change. Right. Because he was like, you, you're you not finished yet. Yeah. You have, you, you have more to do. Exactly. And I think that was, a, you know, this is kind of like a side topic, I guess. But, you know, we've talked about their romance many times on this show. And I think one of the important things that, that, that made Roland a little bit different was he was not like a horny bard. You yeah. know, he was like. He wasn't like, oh, my dear, my darling, we have to save you for our love to continue, right? It was, it was, you have things that you want to do mm-hmm. and that and that we all want you to do and uh, that this cannot be your destiny, yeah, right? Which is um, just a lot more potent than your eyes, your smile, your neck. <laughs> Your she phalanges. Probably, she you probably would have gotten up going, are you kidding me? Yeah. Should have just died from embarrassment right there on the ground. Uh, died of cringe. Dies of cringe. <laughs> um, okay, so. But, but uh, I, 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 will, I will agree with you that uh, from the power level side of things, absolutely cure wounds is A tier because it is very powerful. Yes. Um, but with the counter argument of of healing word, I'll agree with it being a, being an A tier. Okay, very good. So A and S, uh, respectively. Uh yes, yeah. We'll go yeah. ahead and put those in. Yeah, A and S. That way, yeah, that also gives A something to do. <laughs> True. A is starving. <laughs> there are two yes, spells sir. in A. What was the other one? Uh, command. Oh yeah, command. That's right. It's over here, like please, sir. My family, it is starving. <laughs> But you're absolutely right that there is something extra to that rushing over, laying your hands on them, you know, and then like giving up that action for someone else that is very good for team dynamics. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is this is not going to be in our in our tier list, but um, one of the spells that I always take as a cleric is life transference. Mm -hmm. I almost never use it because it is such a high cost to the Mm -hmm. caster. But it's one of those, I always have it ready because when the dramatic moment is right and when that's the only thing that's going to save someone, that's what I pull out. Uh, Warding Bond is also uh, very good for this kind of thing. Um, Warding Bond's pretty great, which I had never really, I'd never used it until uh, Caladre had it. There's actually a pair of wedding rings that you can find in Act 2. And when you apply one ring to two different people, it, it creates a boarding bond. That's between so them. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little journal that goes with it and everything. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right. What's the next spell? Uh, the next one is detect evil and good. 
So for the duration, which is 10 minutes, you know if there is an aberration, celestial, elemental, fae, fiend, or undead within, ten, within 30 feet of you, as well as where the creature is located. Similarly, you know if there is a place or object within 30 feet of you that has been magically consecrated or desecrated. The spell can penetrate most barriers, but it is blocked by one foot of stone, one inch of common metal, a thin sheet of lead, or three feet of wood or dirt. Which I argue means that it cannot penetrate most barriers. <laughs> Right, no, this spell is not good. It's not great. <laughs> it's just not good. Like, even if this was just a power tier list, I'd be like, uh, no. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of what does this add with dynamics, not a whole lot. In fact, a lot of times, at least in earlier editions, players would try to use this to discover each other. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I think this is like D tier. We could move on. Yeah, I agree. All right. Up next is Detect Magic. Super useful. Yeah, very useful. Um, that also gets players excited about possible loot. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know if it's going to create a lot of big dramatic moments, uh, but I will say that in my uh, uh, um, Neural Frontier game this last week, I used Detect Magic to track a player who was invisible all the time. Oh, that's so smart. And, um, and, but it was covered in magic items. <laughs> uh, Technically, it shouldn't be able to work that way because it's an invisible creature. You have but... to spend an action, uh, to see the aura of magic. Um, so there was the casting and then the subsequent perception mm. check as a different action to be able to earn this. Um, but it also created kind of an interesting situation where sure. he had to act now. And, they're, and of course, they still won because um, bugbear rangers are ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, I think this spell is certainly better than detect magic. Uh, better I than th detect evil and good? I mean, uh, better than detect evil and good, but I would still say it's more of a... I would say at best it's B. I would also put it in, in B tier. It is surprisingly useful uh, yeah. in, the, in the Strixhaven game that I am in. Uh, the two wizards both have it and constantly use it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely the, it's, it's, it's something that is solving mysteries and figuring things out and helping us like get clues. So I wouldn't put it as high as A, but mm -hmm. I, it is definitely useful in the right circumstances. Yeah, and again, it makes the other player excited because they have a special thing. Yeah, I agree. So that goes into B tier. All right. Uh, up next, <laughs> detect. Uh, what is the, what is the full name of this? Because it's cut off. It's like uh, detect de poison or whatever. Detect poison and disease. Trash. <laughs> Basically, I like we were in a we were in a campaign where there was a lot of like poison being used and yeah. I still never used this. No. And I no. had access to it. I just never used it. Yeah, no. D. Yeah, I wouldn't put it in F cuz it's not actively uh <laughs> Is that charm person? No. <laughs> <laughs> like it could be theoretically useful, right? Yeah. But like you just are better off with other options. Yeah, exactly. All right, up next is Disguise Self. So in terms of secret ingredient stuff, you know, it, I would tend to put this closer to F. Mm. Um, in terms of power, it's certainly very good, right? 
Um, in terms of possibilities, I mean, it's strong. It's right? very strong. But in terms of this, what Disguise Self usually ends up turning into is rogue solo play. Mm, that's and true. So, we, we, we did see that happen with, with Westgate because we couldn't go with Riddle. And uh, when we did, uh, we were shown very quickly why that was a bad idea. Yeah, so I don't love it. Whereas, you know, I know it's a second level spell, but like Pass Without Trace, on the other hand, is not only godlike, but it also makes everyone else godlike, mm -hmm. right? And so, now I'm not a fan of this. I don't know if it's as bad. It's not as bad as Charm Person, maybe. No. I would, I would say maybe D. It does have the potential to be as bad as Charm Person, but that really depends on how you use it. Because like if you're disguising yourself as another member of the party then, yeah, that could absolutely mess with party dynamics and destroy the table pretty quickly. I have never seen a player do that. Yeah, it's IRL Chaos Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would put it more into the good for you, buddy category. Uh, maybe. Because, because that does allow for, like, the solo play and to make one person feel very cool. And it also allows for, you know, good... Uh, investigation and digging around and stuff. So, but it doesn't really like help the group as a whole necessarily. It, although it certainly could. Uh, but I would say let's encourage players to find ways where this is an inclusive thing that you can do mm -hmm. as opposed to an exclusive thing. Yeah. And I mean, if, if there's like a section of the game that is like, okay, we're going to investigate this thing from our different angles then and then disguise self is super helpful because that is the thing that the you know mastermind rogue or whatever is doing right as right. opposed to like going and going and soloing the whole dungeon <laughs> correct yeah so uh sure i'll go with c okay all right what do we got next <laughs> uh dissonant whispers <laughs> I have taken this with pretty much every like squishy character that I've ever played. Yeah. It is uh it's fun when it lands and from a power level it's pretty good. Uh from a like table perspective, it's one creature. Uh you whisper yeah. you whisper a disc a, a discordant. <laughs> you whisper a discordant metal melody that only one creature of your choice within range can hear, racking it with terrible pain, it makes a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, it takes 3d6 psychic damage and must immediately use its reaction, if available, to move as far as its speed allows away from you. It doesn't move into obviously dangerous ground, such as a fire or a pit. On a successful save, the target takes half as much damage and doesn't have to move away. A deafened creature automatically succeeds on the save. So, it's a really good get away from me kind yeah. of spell. But it's also a really good get away from them spell. Right. That's true, because it is a 60-foot casting range. And that could, I, I don't know what the raw is on this, but um, as a GM, I would rule that it could incur an attack of opportunity. Um, and so I think, I actually really like Dissonant Whispers. I think for a level one spell to do 3d6, it's also excellent. I think that Psychic is rarely resisted at true. those early levels. I think that that's an A-tier spell, actually. I really Ooh. like this in Whispers. Okay. I think it's so strong. And uh, here's an extra thing. I'm a little bit biased because I was running a game with a group of students, and every time our bard cast Dissonant Whispers, 
the whole table would do the <laughs> thing together <laughs> to make it sound like even cooler, right? And it was just a it was a cute thing that kind of brought them together. That's so, really precious. So yeah, there there's yeah. that the extra table dynamic if people are ready <laughs> to really get into it. Yeah. So I really liked this in it whispers. Um Yeah. I yeah. Oh, on top of that, it all you uses their reaction to run, right? Yes. Which means they're not doing attack of opportunities, which means people can get out of dodge, right? That's which true. Is, which is really nice. Yeah, so, from from a lot of angles. I Yeah, I, I I think I can go with A. Cool. Cool. Dissonant love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, distort value. I'm not familiar with this spell. Is this from like Tasha's or something? It's from Acquisitions Incorporated. Oh, that's why I don't know about it. Do you need to squeeze a few more gold pieces out of a merchant as you try to sell that weird octopus statue you liberated from the Chaos Temple? Do you need to downplay the worth of some magical assets when the tax collector stops by? Distort value has you covered. Hmm. You cast a spell on an object no more than one foot on a side, doubling the object's perceived value by adding illusory flourishes or polish to it, or reducing its perceived value by half with the help of illusory scratches, dents, and other unsightly features. Anyone examining the object can ascertain its true value with a successful intelligence investigation check against your spell save DC. And it lasts for eight hours. This is Charm Person with Economics. Um, <laughs> Basically. This, this is bad. <laughs> this is, at least for what we're doing. I mean, like, obviously we can see the situation where you get a little extra gold from something, but a spell slot to yeah. maybe make 10 bucks? No. And a full, and a full minute of casting. Um, Forget it. No. Yeah. Well, and, and I was going to say I wouldn't put it as low as F because it's not, it's not charm person, really. Right. It's like, not actively hurting a party member. Yeah. But, yeah, I would put it in D. Like, just don't. Well, and, and it's not actively hurting a party member necessarily, but it could really uh, destroy your reputation. Right, yeah. I mean, I think that it, it's, it, it can be a fun fantasy to get one over on somebody, right? But, like, I, I like, guess we want to encourage people to play heroes more. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, this doesn't do that. But, no, nah, this, to me, is just a wasted opportunity. Um, I think it's just bad. Yeah. If it if this was a power list, I would say it's F. Like it's really bad. But like, <laughs> uh, because there's just so much better things, right? But in terms of what we're doing, it's it's not even as good as good for you, buddy. Like, I I if I'm sitting at the table with this guy, I'm going hey, here we go. <laughs> and why couldn't this just be a check? Right. Right. Why, why couldn't, why couldn't just be... you just, like, use a disguise kit on it? Yeah, no, bad. So, uh, D then? Uh, that's what I say. I say I a D. Okay. All right, what's the next spell? All right, the next spell is Divine Favor. Oh, so it gives you, like, a D4 radiant damage? Yeah. It's a paladin spell, right? Yep. Paladin and War Domain Cleric. Uh, it is a bonus action. Um, it is a concentration spell. It's effectively a longer-term smite. But you can give it to someone else, right? Nope. It is range self. Bad. <laughs> Good for you is the best I could say about it, but, like, dude, you could have cast Shield of Faith. Yeah. You could have cast Bless. You could have cast Bane. Uh, you have access to those things, depending on your subclass. Um, you could have done Command. 
Mm. There's this is yuck. <laughs> I would say C at best. I, I I can go with with good for you because I do like the fact that it's a basically a long term smite. Like it's not a one and one hit and done. It is yeah. the duration of the spell, but. Right. Yeah, uh, good for you is about the best I can do with that one. No, yeah. I, I, the, I, even in Baldur's Gate, I see that, and I'm like, Ugh. I'm never going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right, up next is Earth Tremor. Okay, remind me of this one. I think this is in Xanathar's, yeah? Uh, Elemental Evil Player's Companion, apparently. Okay, maybe I'm not familiar with this at all. Okay, what happens? You cause a tremor in the ground within range, which is within 10 feet. Each creature other than you in that area must make a dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, a creature takes 1d6 bludgeoning damage and is knocked prone. If the ground in that area is loose earth or stone, it becomes difficult to rain until cleared, with each 5-foot diameter portion requiring at least 1 minute to clear by hand. Okay, so it's it's not terrible. Um, I think that knocking... It, like, if you're playing a melee class, especially something like a paladin mm-hmm. or, or a rogue... Uh, knocking opponents uh, prone is really handy. We yeah. definitely we definitely like that, but it could hit all creatures. It could hit all creatures, and the classes that get it are bard, druid, sorcerer, and wizard. So there isn't like none of the melee, none of the normal melee classes get right. this one. Why can a bard cause an earth tremor? I'm just I'm having difficulty with the fantasy there. I um, mean, yeah, have, you've been to rock concerts. <laughs> I guess there is that. <laughs> This is this is something like a barbarian should be able to do by like stomping their foot or something, right? Like that would be such a fun bit of flavor where like the the the, the paladin is calling upon the power of, of his god to literally split the earth around him. That would be so cool. Yeah, that would be awesome, especially like Oath of the Ancients. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. But it's not for paladins. Nope. Not for rangers. Nope. Yeah. Bard, Druid, Sorcerer, and Wizard. The only one that re- of that that really makes sense is Druid because of their connection to the Earth. So, in other words, it seems like it's mostly being used as a getaway kind yeah, of thing. It's a little bit more Arms of Hadar than anything else, I think, because, okay. you know, everyone around you except you is affected. Uh, I do like that it's difficult terrain, um, which makes it harder to get to the Squishy Wizard, but it's in the same vein as Arms of Hadar for me. I think it has potential to be B, but with its class restrictions, I would say it's C tier, um, or less. No, I'd agree with I'd agree with C tier, and I would also want to like I, I I this is a spell that I would give a player if they came and made an argument for it uh, that isn't one of those those classes. Yeah, I think I think so. You know, especially depending on the subclass. But since it's in a, an expansion book, most of the time they're not going to be referenced. Right, and so would really, really like to see that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, would really like to see it on, on yeah, Paladin or Ranger. Mm-hmm. And I am also a believer in every class having spells, but that's just me. I, I, do like the, I do like some classes not having spells because they're more of like the starter class because spells are such, are such a thing to keep track of. Mm-hmm. Okay, next spell. In, uh, next spell is Ensnaring Strike. Boy, easy for me to stumble over. Okay, uh, I'll, I'm going to say it. I like this spell. I think it's cool. I think it makes range, because it's mostly a ranger spell. Mostly. I, I, it's ranger and oath of the ancients. Those are the two who That's get it. it. All right, yeah. So I think uh, it's really good. 
Uh, it makes uh, the archery game a little bit more interesting. This is like a classic. Everyone wants to do this. Even in um, Dragon Age, they have like pinning shot yes. in the first game or whatever it's called. And uh, it's this, uh, this could be really useful for battlefield control. Uh, it's nice for the ranger to provide some battlefield control. Yeah, and, and it provides um, the restrained condition on the creature that it's pinning down. And restrained is just such a good condition to have on your enemy. Uh, this is also very good for rangers that want to focus on wisdom over dexterity. Mm. Um, in case they want to make more use of their spells. Because rangers actually have some pretty cool spells that get kind of ignored because we focus on that dexterity. I, I can and attest so, to this because I played a ranger rogue all the way up to 20 <laughs> and I very seldom use spells. Yeah. I mean, why would you, right? If, if you're a machine gun, like of flying death, why would you, <laughs> why would you even bother? Right. But like, yeah, in the right circumstances, um, they can, they have strong battlefield control. I mean, they get like spike growth and stuff. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of good options. So uh, I tend to like Incinerary Strike. I don't know if it's quite A tier, but I would probably say B. I would happily put that at B. Definitely if I'm on that guy's team and someone gets successfully ensnared, I'm feeling a lot safer. Yeah. Right away. That's definitely a, a cheer moment to be like, yeah, that worked. Yeah. That was very cool. And it also like uh, one of the things that I love is like combinations of of tactics where it's like all right the ranger has pinned that person down and now we all go wallop on them to get rid to get them off the field as fast as possible right or we wallop the guy that's closest to us so that then we can deal with that guy Mm -hmm. right whatever it is depending on what kind of creature we're targeting what the circumstances are yeah uh but yeah i like ensnaring strike okay next spell the next spell is entangle okay so This is like the classic bread and butter spell of the druid, right? Like, Yes. This is the first spell you probably think of when you're picking druid. Uh, It can be really good. It can be an absolute game changer. It can save an encounter. It can help your party get a free win. It can also be a pain in the backside, like (laughs) real bad, right? Yeah. if you are playing that barbarian fantasy where you want to run into f- into the fray and start hacking away, this is uh, an inconvenience, right? Yeah. Kind of like like fog can be the same way, where it's like, okay, that seems like it's going to be helpful, but now we're making saves, we're making checks. I have to walk around it, you know. Um, so, man, we should have made that like another tier. Would be like. Really good if, right? (laughs) (laughs) The the very situational spell. This is the sort of thing that uh, if you know that the battle is coming and you're able to, like, get off a surprise round effectively uh, and you're able to be, like, to start... Because I I actually did this with my Light Domain Cleric where it was, like, I can uh, have not been able to drop Fireball as often as I want to because I have Cleric Initiative and you Mm -hmm. idiots keep running in. Yeah. (laughs) So... Let me drop the fireball first, and then yeah. you can run it. <laughs> and that I think in that circumstance, uh, entangle is fantastic if you're able to get that sort of thing off very quickly, mm-hmm. and just be like, "All right, and now uh, they're held in place for you. Sorry about the difficult terrain you have to get through to get to them." True. So I think that in the right hands, it's it, it, I think it's definitely A, maybe even S tier. In the right hands, uh, I think that. 
there are so many situations where it isn't useful or is even detrimental. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. What do you think? I, I don't know where to put that. Um, I'd put that between B and C somewhere in that neighborhood because okay. it is surprisingly useful in the right circumstances if you can get it off the right way. Um, but it is also kind of a, I mean, it's kind of a good for you, buddy, in the, in when it's, when it's goes off poorly, if that makes sense. Yeah. When it goes off poorly, it's even worse, right? But <laughs> because it's like, great, I'm immobilized. Thanks. Thanks, but, buddy. Or I was going to go kill that guy, but now I guess I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I, I would feel terrible making it less than B, to be honest. Uh, so that's kind of where I want to put it. Let's put it there, then. Put her there. Put her there, boy. So I don't... I, I, again, for the, if I'm talking purely power gaming, Entangle's definitely like a top-tier spell. It's very yeah. strong. All right. Up next is Expeditious Retreat. Uh, is this the bonus action one, or is this the action this one? This is a bonus action. Uh, yeah, it's a bonus action. This spell and then allows you, you can repeat the bonus action? Is that it? Yeah. Or? This spell allows you to move at an incredible pace. When you cast this spell, and then as a bonus action on each of your turns until the spell ends, you can take the dash action. And it lasts for 10 minutes. You can effectively, like, run around the world with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's a good for you, buddy. It's not It's affecting. a great good for you, buddy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. This isn't, like, insulting... It's like, it's a good spell, right? But it's, um, yeah, it's not doing anyone else favors. Well, it is a fantastic way to get the squishy uh, characters out of there because it's Sorcerer, Warlock, Wizard, and Artificer. So if you're able to get, if they're able to get that, and then it's like, I get out of there, guy, move. Yeah, this is also going to be used by that player that thinks it's funny to abandon the party. But, you know. Yeah. we We can't. We can't incorporate every a-hole gamer in this, so. No, and I mean, that's the sort of thing where you look at and go, okay, that's a pattern of behavior. Get out of our table. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Which we say flippantly, it's really emotionally difficult to do. Oh, it's incredibly difficult to do, but it is (laughs) is a tool that I think should be used more because uh, bad D&D, or no D&D is better than bad D&D. Yeah, 100%. That's the second motto of this uh, podcast, (laughs) right? I mean, it's true, though. That's so true. All right. Up next is Fairy Fire. I love Fairy Fire. I really love Fairy Fire, but I also got it as part of, like, my first bard and my first cleric, so I have a deep emotional attachment to this. (laughs) Uh, Does it target creatures, creatures of your choice, or I forgot what the target is. Each object in a 20-foot cube within range is outlined in blue, green, or violet light. Your choice. Any creature in the area when the spell is cast is also outlined in light if it fails a dexterity saving throw. For the duration, objects and affected creatures shed dim light in a 10-foot radius. Um, Any attack roll against an affected creature or object has advantage if the attacker can see it, and the affected uh, creature or object can't benefit from being invisible. Yeah, so... I, I would probably say the same thing about this that I would with Entangle, where this is uh, maybe even better than Entangle because it's kind of like a one and done um, kind of thing. So if you run in afterwards, mm-hmm. it's fine. Exactly. Uh, players love to get advantage in any way that you can help another player get advantage. The better. Just be careful. Don't throw this on your buddy. Yeah, be very careful with this one, but I th- I think that this is honestly one of the best spells for a first level uh, support character because you can give advantage to everyone 
for a minute for like a full like it's not guiding bolt which has difficulty hitting i have history with that one <laughs> has difficulty hitting and it only lasts in, uh, through the next uh the next attack on it this is fantastic um if you're dealing with something that if you can get it off fast enough and then someone goes invisible it's like no i can see you buddy yeah and certainly anything that helps not grant your opponent advantage against you mm-hmm. this is very is very handy so I will go ahead and say I think it's an A-tier spell. I completely agree. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just a little bit better than Entangle in this way. Just don't glitter bomb your friends. Yeah, try to avoid glitter bombing your friends. And it's so funny because I'm looking at who can get it. It's Bar Druid, Artificer, Light Domain, Twilight Domain, Moon Domain, and the Archfane. I'm like, oh, so most of the things that I've played or prefer to play. <laughs> also, just Drow straight up. Just can yeah. do it. Right, so that's pretty cool. All right, up next is False Life. Uh, Bolstering yourself with a uh, necromatic facsimile of life, you gain 1d4 plus 4 temporary hit points for the duration. Good for you, buddy. Good for you, and it's an action. I don't even, I think it's bad. Like, in terms of power, I'd say it's, like, real bad. In terms of power, it's bad, and in terms of, like, it only helps yourself, which is... Yeah, it's literally C. Yeah. Oh, you, you, you put it at C and not lower? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, D wasn't, I mean, good for you, buddy, is C, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's where I would put it, because I don't think we're hurting anybody, and if this prevents uh, the cleric from having to use a healing spell when they don't want to, uh, great. <laughs> sure. But, like, if you're a wizard and you cast this, or a warlock, I'm like, like, if you're a warlock, I'm like, you literally should have just cast Eldritch Blast, right? You mm-hmm. know? Uh, you could have done Armor of Agathis. You could have done... Pretty much anything else. This is just a boring, dumb spell. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's necromancer flavor. That's all it is. Yeah, that's, that's very fair. I agree. We'll, we'll put it into, the, into C. Yeah. Uh, up next is Featherfall. Choose up to five falling creatures within range. A falling creature's rate of descent slows to 60 feet per round until the spell ends. If the creature lands before the spell ends, it takes no falling damage and can land on its feet, and the spell ends for that creature. Yeah, this hits ever. This hits a group, right? It is five people. Five people. That's great, man. I yeah, like that. It's fantastic. It it is literally a lifesaver if <laughs> if things go very very poorly. It's also very situational, but uh, in that situation, you want it. Correct. So I, you know, I would actually go ahead and put it in A as well. Uh, in that, like, you're never going to be upset that this this happened. Never. We like to see it, for sure. Um, there's also very creative applications that could be used here that could create for really memorable moments with mm-hmm. you and your party. Like, if you use this as, like, an infiltration technique, you can have this sort of, like, Mission Impossible moment. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you can also have Descent of the Heroes into the area, you yeah. know. That can be a really cool entrance moment. Um, yeah, uh, and then it's sharing. We love sharing. It is sharing, and it is, used, especially at the early levels, it's using a spell slot to save your friends if, mm-hmm. if something has gone terribly wrong. Yeah, how to make two uh, obnoxious uh, D&D protagonists like each other, have them save each other a couple times. <laughs> it's definitely helpful. It's true. All right, so that it was Featherfall, and that goes into uh, A-tier. Yep. Up next is Find Familiar. 
which we just read over yesterday. Yep, that's right. We we got to know this one uh, pretty well. Um, in terms of you know the role play we did with it last night, I think we we did about as well with it as we possibly could. And I think that familiars are useful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in terms of power, they're they're good. Uh, I would say this does create uh, a small strain on action economy for the table. Okay, how so? Well, they get to move and you get to move, right? Or do you use your action to move them? Uh, your familiar acts independently of you, but it always obeys your command. Um, right. But in uh, a familiar can't attack normally, but it can take other actions as normal. So it can move, but it but like the only thing that it can really do is like the help action, which is good. It's which that's is fantastic. Really, really good. I yeah, I guess if they're not doing a lot of combat roles, yeah, then then I will really like them. And I mean, what I what I really love about them is that uh, within if they're within a hundred feet of you, you can cast a spell through them. With yeah. a, with a range of touch, yeah. That in terms of power is, of course, very very good, and that could actually turn your cure wounds into S tier in that case, right? Mm-hmm. Because now you're you're getting even more out of it. But like, uh, yeah, it, I just don't want to see players, uh, kind of like with disguise self, turn you know using this to become a solo, um play session sure right and this is not me accusing any player of doing that no i think i think tanya is doing just fine with this character oh she's doing great with it you know but i have seen in the past uh summons become uh cumbersome to turn order yeah but i think you're mostly thinking of like the the druid who's able to call in like 12 velociraptors or something well yeah i mean i i straight up hate uh summon animal creatures or whatever it's called conjure animals conjure animals thank you i couldn't remember yeah. that either Con- i never use it I, I despise that spell um i i despise the idea of casting them in the air then letting them fall on people like it's just uh, like if i get the sense i have that type of plant player i'm just banning the spell straight out possibly the player so i don't yeah i don't like that but yeah fine familiar is fine <laughs> um i don't know what would you give it I'd probably put it into B tier because it is surprisingly useful in the right circumstances and mm-hmm. doesn't actively detract and makes for some really excellent role play moments. Okay, I agree. All right, you want to do one, maybe two more? Uh, sure. Darn. That, 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 that means that, that I won't get to the point where I get to hear you rant. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> is, is that coming up soon? Very soon. Oh, well, let's get to it then. All right. Uh, and I think that the next few ones are fairly easy to get through. Okay. Uh, floating disc. Okay. Uh, Shockingly useful uh, in the right circumstances. It could carry 500 pounds and you could just like load stuff or people yeah. onto it and just like shuttle it across. No one uses it, but I have seen it used to great effect and it is surprisingly fun. B then. That sounds good. Yeah, do not have strong opinions about this spell either way. <laughs> that's very fair. Oh yeah, that's I'd like I had the reaction like, oh yeah, that's in the game. Uh this one we have briefly talked about today, uh fog cloud. Yeah, fog cloud again is kind of complicated where it's like either this is just the bee's knees mm-hmm. and you saved everyone or now combat is a cumbersome mess. Yeah. 
Um, so I could, we've been throwing a lot of those into B. We have, the, it's like Entangle and Ensnaring Strike and all of those. Yeah, so that's, I guess, where I would put it. That makes sense. All right, up next is uh, Frost Fingers, which I had not heard of until literally this moment. I don't like that name, F. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I don't even need to know the rest. <laughs> see, see, it comes from Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, oh, which God. makes it make perfect sense. Because I'm, I'm from Alaska, and uh, I've, I haven't ever had frostbite, but boy, have I gotten close before. Okay, so what does it do? Freezing cold, blast from your fingertips in a 15-foot cone. Each creature in that area must make a constitution saving throw, taking 2d8 cold damage on a failed save, or half as much damage on a successful one. The cold freezes non-magical liquids in the area that aren't being worn or carried. So it's effectively burning hands, but cold and targeting con instead of dex. Okay, yeah. I don't like this spell because this is what my wife does to me sometimes. She like <laughs> just like stick six extra cold fingers against the back of your neck. Yeah, or on my back or whatever. Like she crawl into bed, and I'm like, oh, we're gonna snuggle, and then she'd be like, <laughs> and I stick your fingers on my back, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> in in fairness, a lot of AFAB people have uh, bad circulation in their hands and feet, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely guilty of sticking my cold feet against the backs of someone's knees. I like how this is what people think chill touch is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is what chill touch should be, man. <laughs> chill touch is not a touch, nor is it cold. It's, it is one of the most uh, badly misnamed spells in the game. But also a very good spell. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's fantastic for what it does. It, the name yeah. is just very deceptive. <laughs> uh, I have, don't have strong feelings about this. Maybe good for you, buddy, I guess. I'd put this in the same uh, vein that, that we put Burning Hands, which is B, because... Oh, really? Uh, Again, it's a cone, so you can aim it, and uh -huh. it and uh, it targets a different stat than many things True. usually do. So right. you know, having that as something to be like, okay, I know they're very dexterous, but maybe they don't have high con. Eat cold. Does it also slow them or no? Uh, no. Mm, that's too bad. That is too bad. That would be cool. But I guess if we put that, if we put B on burning hands, then fine. Because right. it's literally a plagiarism spell. It really is. Well, I mean, this this is this is a a spell that makes a strong argument for uh, the the Tasha's rules of just like changing the the element of a spell and reflavoring it that way. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. But then again, you don't want a player to just say, "I want to use this element against this ability score," like just willy nilly. Yeah, so, that's true. That could be unfair. All right, the final spell on this page, and the one that I know is going to get you to rant, we've hit oh. Goodberry. Oh, Goodberry. Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, good. I don't hate Goodberry by any means. I think that Says the Goodberry, person who wants to ban it in, like, every game he's in. <laughs> well, I always make the option to ban it, right? Mm. And, like, it, it really depends. So I did ban it, I believe, in uh, Gnarled Frontier, because... That whole game was supposed to be about exploration. And survival and that sort of thing. And survival. Uh, and Goodberry kind of just negates that entire sure. part of the game. Uh, if you're not in that kind of game and like you are just kind of like dungeon crawling uh, or something else, it's fine. Right? It's, it's good. And uh, my other big problem with it, of course, is, is kind of the same issue I have with um, 
a healing word in that, like, because, again, the mechanics of the game, one point of healing means, you know, we have negated three death saving throws and you get to be awake, <laughs> right? Uh, I think it would be an action to administer it. Yes. Um, so in that way, it's like kind of cure wounds that's less healing, but has like a few charges on it. Um, so I don't know. In a certain campaign, it's certainly bannable. In other campaigns, it's fine. Uh, my favorite way that I ever saw it used was in my Descent into Avernus game, where I picked up a trick that I have used for every druid that I've ever played ever since. Yeah. Uh, Goodberry lasts for 24 hours. Right, yeah. So and it, so you so can create a second set. Well, not just a second set. If you cast it like right before you go to sleep and you mm -hmm. use up the rest of your spell slots that you have for, for the day on that, you yeah. can have a little bag of Goodberry that you carry around. My uh, rogue was able to save the whole party after, you know, our second level characters had a fireball dropped on them. She was the only one who was still conscious. And yeah. she knew that the druid had a bag of good berry. Everyone else was unconscious, but she was able to, like, stumble around and shove this berry into everyone's mouths. Right. And that created a memorable moment for you, and for It was everyone, a tremendously sure. memorable moment, and the druid saved the party, even though he was unconscious at the time. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, do you want to say A, or are you thinking even as high as S? Honestly, I, like... I'm between the two because I, I, I definitely don't want to go any lower than A. It is a tremendously great spell and mm -hmm. it can create some fantastic moments. Um, I don't know if I'd put it as high as Bless Bane and Healing Word just because like the, the situation that I said is very much an edge case. And you have to have a druid who is willing to like say every day that they're doing that at the, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the faces you make on this. <laughs> right. I Too bad I, people don't see it. Right? I have never regretted going to video. <laughs> I'm like, ah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, it's definitely like an A plus spell, right? Right. Um, so I'll go ahead and say I actually do think it's an S tier spell. Okay. Um, because of its utility and the fact that. It can supply his rations, uh, makes it extra strong. You're not only saving on carrying capacity, but you're also saving on money. You're saving on inconvenience. Uh, this allows us to get back into the action as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, so to that end, I like it. If I'm doing a game where survival is everything, then I'm just going to ban it, right? But it's not because I hate it. It's because it's just not what we need right now right um, yeah so uh sort of like resurrection spells in our uh westgate game uh they haven't really come up yet but i think i've already given enough clues to show that they would be troublesome they'd be uh unreliable dangerous yeah possibly dangerous so uh we have to you know you just gotta know your campaign but i think it's an amazing spell obviously all right and one thing I do like about Goodberry, other than that, is the fact that um, on its face, it doesn't seem powerful. Yeah, it's a very unassuming spell uh, yeah. until you are around someone who knows how to use it. And then you yeah. go, oh, my God, that is a sleeper spell. Where has this mm -hmm. been my whole life? 
Yeah, and you just skipped over it. You're like, one point of healing? Mm-hmm. What? I don't even get to add my wisdom? Yeah. Forget that. <laughs> right? I think in Baldur's Gate, they actually made it a D4. Yeah, there's there's a way to, like, mess with, with Goodberry uh, if you're... If, yeah, if, if you cross if, class, if, yeah. Yeah, if you have, like, Life Cleric or something. Yeah. There's some way to, like, really cheese that. You can cheese it, which makes it really strong, but... Hey, if I'm on your team and you stuff a good berry in my mouth while I'm dying, I'm definitely going to be grateful. Exactly. It's going to be a good time. And you can hand them to people uh, so they can just basically use them as healing potions if Mm -hmm. they want to. And they're effectively free healing potions, which in the world of D&D is so useful. Yeah, especially depending on how dangerous your game is. Uh, So, uh, good berry is a good place to uh pause i think indeed and we are gonna do a part three on this one yeah you know what i'm gonna go ahead and pledge right now three is the limit all right all right uh, so let's see how that holds up otherwise leroy will complain so (laughs) i i need to spare him that so when we say rapid fire next time it really has to be okay deal uh so we will make it happen in the meantime um is there uh uh, anything else you'd like to spell out for the audience? I think that I have run out of things to have in my book currently. I see. <laughs> I see. Any other words of wisdom to leave behind? I don't think I have any wisdom besides saying thank you all so much for joining us this week. Um, this, we, we always have a lot of fun debating this sort of thing and going back and forth on it. We hope that you're enjoying it as well. Uh, but until next time. Stay inspired. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Inspiration Point. If you'd like to support what we do, go and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash inspiration point. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. You can also help support us by telling people about the podcast. A little inspiration goes a long way. Inspiration Point is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear with us, give Quest and Chaos YouTube or Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons on a weekly basis and have a bunch of campaigns of Call of Cthulhu, D&D, and board game playthroughs archived on their YouTube. Join us next week for more inspiration. Inspiration.